Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, the Madman. I hope you're having a hell of a 2021 so far. It sure, certainly has been in this country, and so uh, y'all thought that it was going to end in 2020. Sorry. We're all still crazy. So I want to ask you to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio and become a patron. Now, I know I say this every week, but I have to tell you it's now more important than ever. After what happened with Parler, it's obvious that these fascist socialists feel emboldened with their miraculous seizure of power in this nation, and now they're going to want to ban and or deplatform anyone that does not agree with their agenda. That means me, and that means you. After all, no one can totally agree with their totalitarian agenda because what they believe is constantly shifting to suit their purposes in regards of who they want to go after. The social media companies have silenced a sitting president, and even though Nancy Pelosi and her evil cronies can't wait a little over a week to be rid of Trump, they want to impeach him anyway because they think they have this nation by the short and curlies. Companies like Twitter and Facebook are in cahoots and in regards to eliminating competition like Parler. And that's an easy ruse to see through. I think anyone can, with any sense can see that the big social media companies want to maintain their monopoly over our internet. Parler is the first uh, to face the wrath of these socialist monsters because it was the greatest threat to their control over the social media field. And so Amazon takes down Parler because Twitter, Facebook, and Amazon... Uh, the powers over there are unable to coerce Parler into enforcing the same censorship that they do. They claim that Parler allowed the violent to coordinate with each other through, uh, through the app during the riots in D.C. last week. See, now the media is calling that a riot. All the hundreds of other riots that happened over the past year were just peaceful protests to them. And they never... They never called down for taking. Uh, they never called for taking down Twitter or Facebook, even though the violent most likely use their platforms to coordinate their violence. This insane double standard needs to stop, and I don't really see a way to do it myself. I'm not that smart. What I do know is that I will continue speaking my mind and saying things that you might might find offensive, because I because like I say in the warning, this is all part of our very first amendment of the Bill of Rights. Now these big temp tech companies are trying to corrupt our most important amendment by attempting to silence anyone that isn't in lockstep with them. These goose-stepping assholes think that they have the right to control what you say and soon enough what you think. Big tech and legacy media is trying to squeeze out the little guys like Shock Monkey Radio and FXBG Public Radio because we believe in free speech. EK is my closest friend here in this venture and he and I agree very little. And I cannot live my life without, with a muzzle. It was torture for me to keep my mouth shut when I was in the Navy, and even then, little comments I would make here and there would get me into a world of trouble repeatedly. And yet they wondered why I wouldn't re-enlist. I had to get out of the Navy because I could not speak my mind. And as I saw both the military and defense contracting take a hard left turn between 1997 and 2005, I knew that, that such was not a world for me. Regardless of whether you whether you become a patron or not. I will always be fighting for the right of free speech and all my effort and up to with all my effort and up to my dying breath. I would prefer that you help me out by becoming a patron 
or sending money to me through Cash App. I am not going to sit here and say that the election was stolen from Trump because he's a dick, and there are plenty of good reasons not to vote for the man. But he never called for, vi for violence or riots. I am adult enough to accept defeat in an election because that's the way it goes. What I will not abide are all these people trying to censor anyone and everyone just because they don't like them or are competition to these uh, tech and media giants. The dawn of the internet age led us to a place where independent creators can create something that can compete with mainstream media. The Steven Crowders, the Tim Pools, the Gavin McInneses, these people scared the piss out of legacy media because they had become complacent and lazy in what they do and they have taken us, the common people, for granted. I'm not out here just trying to keep up with the Alex Joneses. I'm just trying to do, I'm just trying to make a living doing what I'm unable to stop doing, which is speaking my mind, for right or wrong. So I want to ask you to support us by going over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, become a patron, or you can send me cash, at, uh, cash through Cash App, use the hashtag shockmonkeyradio, and help us out financially. Otherwise, just like, share, and subscribe, tell people about our podcast, I would appreciate it very much. I got beer today. Excuse me. Mm. All right. <clears throat> Let's talk about how I really feel about Trump. <laughs> so long, Trump. So it seems that Trump is definitely on his way out and good riddance. I never liked him. Never liked the guy. The closest I got to liking him was during his pres presidency, but that was because he was the focal point of all the leftist hate against conservatives. But Trump is not a conservative. Just look at him. Has Trump ever seemed cautious, pensive, or reserved? No, he's a bombastic blowhard who did some damage to the grand old party because he's not conservative. He riled up the left into such a frenzy simply because he's the you're fired guy and made such a reputation of being a dick that he is surprised that plenty of people dislike him for being a dick. Now, I'm not saying that it's Trump's fault that people couldn't just live and let live when it comes to Trump or even true conservatives. Those people who are so mad about Trump in the White House that they have to be violent or riot or whatever, that's on them. People like myself didn't throw us temper tantrum for the entire time Obama was in office. And I'll tell you why we didn't. Because we are adults. Adults who understand that whoever is in the White House, it has a minimal impact on your life. Conservatives like myself understand it's more uh, relevant what your mayor or your governor is doing that has a direct impact on your life. Even though Obama sicked the IRS and FBI on his political enemies, that has had little impact on the common American voter. What we didn't do is burn down cities or blame Obama, and then blame Obama, because we are not petulant children who cry and scream until we get our way. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe that's the issue. The generation of children who were not spanked are now of voting age, and now we are reaping what we have sown in that regard. Spare the rod, spoil the child. But I do not recommend rods. A, a nice switch will do just well. So these spoiled children riot and burn down cities, and apparently this is the only language anyone understands in this day and age. So who is honestly surprised about what happened to D.C. this past week? The squeaky wheel gets the grease, no? And the proud, silent stoicism of the Republicans hasn't accomplished a damn thing in recent years because that sort of behavior doesn't draw attention like Veruca Salt draws attention. So I don't see Trump as the reason why things are the way they are. I blame Veruca Salt's parents for failing to teach their children a simple truth that can be learned by simply watching The Princess Bride. Life is pain. Anyone who tells you different is selling something. 
So now Twitter banned the president and people are calling for impeachment just a week before Trump leaves. And I'm like, whatever. And your tax dollars at work. As far as I'm concerned, there are 535 uh, Veruca Salts in Congress lining their pockets, trying to get famous, and wasting our tax dollars. Google is trying to kill its competition like Parler because the left thinks that they have won this thing lock, stock, and barrel. But they are wrong. The true conservative movement in this country has flourished while Trump has taken all the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. But the liberals have all the power now, and curiosity is the only thing that keeps me alive. I am curious as to, about, as to how they are going to try to silence us. Because they can't. They simply can't. The sh short of immediately turning into our nation into a totalitarian state overnight, they can't silence us. I hated what Trump said, not what he did. And I felt the inverse about Obama. But if you are the kind of person who thinks that what you say is more important than what you do, well, you need to be beaten with a switch. So Trump's on his way out. Big deal, it isn't the death of conservatism. Trump was never more than just another rich New York dickhead. Just part of the scum that collects in urban centers. I told you all not to go to D.C. last week, but no one listens to me because I am not screaming like a spoiled child and using the proper buzzwords. So all these topics obviously have <laughs> been eating at me for a while and I have a lot to say about it. But that's all pretty much all I want to say about it, because I have a few more things I want to do. I'm already like 15 minutes into the show, <laughs> and I wrote a lot this week. So those of you who felt cheated last week, and it's like you're getting your money's worth this week. All right, let's talk about some more uh, fun stuff. I'm going to talk about entertainment, just to get my mind off of all the politics until we get into the news. Okay, so I watched a really fun movie, a really fun movie called The Runaways. It's based upon the short-lived band of the same name. Excuse me. And first of all, I get real uncomfortable seeing Dakota Fanning on screen, especially in a sexy type of presentation. I feel dirty to find finding her attractive. Okay, seems like just yesterday she was a child. Anyway, so I'm right at about that age range where I have the interest in biopics like this one, talking about all the cool stuff I missed in the 80s because I was a good Christian boy. So if you like that kind of punk and Christian, uh, punk and hardcore and rock and roll history, then this is the movie for you. The real standout of The Runaways, obviously, was Joan Jett, who was played by Kristen Stewart in this movie. And I'm not sure she knows she's an actor yet. Any day now, I know she'll start acting. I just know it. Anyway, I did not like how the film's focused on Cherie Curry, when the real story there is Joan Jett, especially when half of the soundtrack was by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Okay? And there was one scene that really irritated me. I mean, Joan, Joan Jett is obviously the talent of The Runaways. But the scene where she's taking guitar lessons really bothered me. She also, she's all like, I want to start rocking right now. And the teacher's all like, well, let's start with the G chord. And she, she's all defiant and such a musical genius that she doesn't need guitar lessons. Sorry, that's not how music works. Nor is that the way that Joan Jett works. This movie is kind of full of itself, like how the band is full of itself by claiming, claiming that they are the first all-girl rock band. Not one per person mentions heart through the entire movie. And Hart is more important, uh, more important to the girl rocker power than the Runaways. Possibly even more powerful, uh, more relevant to girl rocker power than Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, but that's debatable. And John Mellencamp's cherry bomb is better than the Runaways' cherry bomb. But that's apples and oranges. Fruit, fresh fruit for sale. Fresh fruit and firecrackers. Speaking of which, 
Michael Shannon plays the weirdo Kim Fowley, uh, manager and promoter for The Runaways. I mean, I always knew he was a good actor, but I think he really shines in that kind of weirdo role. He has that kind of look to him, slightly unhinged, you know what I mean? So he obviously, uh, so he obviously performed very well in that movie. All in all, it's kind of a juvenile coming-of-age story, uh, more so than a biopic, because the desire to be a rock star is somewhat juvenile. And in the end, you have to find out what you really love doing. And The Runaways may have been a flash in the pan, but it led to things like Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, which makes it all worth it. The Runaways, 2010, 9 out of 13 stars. Who would you rather party backstage with? The Runaways or Rush? It's not a trick question. Rush? Did you say Rush? Because they don't party. Yeah, <laughs> everyone knows it's like they don't party. They just go and like watch TV after a show. They're, they're boring. <laughs> they're nerds. They're nerds. They're music nerds. Anyone who's been in band class knows that those are the kind of people that end up being, you know, uh, I feel like yeah. Huh? That is who I would hang out with. That's why I like movies and entertainment because I'm a drama club nerd. I'm a, I'm a band nerd, you know? But let's be honest, as Rush, you know, it's like, uh, maybe you could talk him into playing D&D. And that would be cool. Okay, okay, I'll rephrase. I would rather play D&D with Rush than just party doing cocaine and shit with the Runaways. <laughs> Sounds like a lot more productive night. <laughs> you know Rush plays D&D. You know it. But if you're a girl and uh, you like the Runaways, you probably don't like Rush. So that's neither here nor there. <clears throat> uh, so I want to talk about one more thing before we get into the news, news worth knowing. I actually have an, another topic, but I wrote so much that I actually got to skip one today. Okay, so um, I watched Longmire, and yes, it is. It is a long mire to get through. So I slogged through this series mostly because I like Waltz 45, and I was curious why all these unattractive women are in leading roles and all the hot chicks are minor characters. So if you don't know, Longmire is a show about a fictional place called Durant, Wyoming. And as we all know, Wyoming is almost fictional all on its own. This town is where all the women in town want to fuck the sheriff. I don't understand why. Maybe because he's half Sasquatch, or perhaps he's the kind of guy, that, uh, kind of the guy, kind of guy with the head shape that needs a cowboy hat. Maybe because he was one of the agents in, Ma in the Matrix. I don't know. So this fictional town is apparently the murder capital in Wyoming because every week there is a new murder for such a small town. After all, a sheriff's department consisting of four or five people is probably due to the fact that there is not a large uh, population in Absaroka County. Walt, the main character and sheriff, seems to know everyone's names, which is not uncommon for small-town sheriffs. But just like murder, she, she wrote, with all the murders that are happening in the small town, certainly the county could find some more dollars in the budget to expand the sheriff's department to stave off this spate of murders. Anyway, so widower Sheriff Walt Longmire walks his beat with folksy wisdom, low-tech ingenuity, and, a old school law and old school lawman shit. Old school meaning illegally obtained evidence, assaulting suspects, coercion, Coronism and all that good old-fashioned corrupt lawman stuff. I mean, the guy barely uses a cell phone. How can you be a cop in the 21st century and not own a smartphone? 
Walt is constantly borrowing other people's phones for the simple basic stuff that we take for granted, like phone calls and photographs, which turn out to be very crucial when it comes to investigating crimes. Sure, he has a CB radio in his truck. It's Wyoming. I think everyone has a truck. I think it's required to receive a driver's license in Wyoming to own a truck. Anyway, like I said, every woman in town wants to fuck the guy. And I don't know. I don't know why. There's a ton of drama and screen time devoted to this drama that women care about, like, will Vic ever get together with Walt? And spoiler alert, and all that other shit I don't care about, and spoiler alert, don't worry, the unattractive Vic does eventually hook up with Walt in the very last episode. Spoilers! Katie Sackhoff is the actress that plays uh, Vic Victoria, or Victoria. It's not Victor Victoria. It's, she goes by, her name's Victoria, she goes by Vic. Anyway, she's a transplanted Philly girl who has serious daddy issues, and she's the de facto number two of the sheriff's department simply because she's always hanging around Walt waiting for him to fuck her. She's not much of a cop, and I get the sense that she's one of those women who treats jobs as just a way to meet men. I knew a lot of women in the Navy who joined just to meet men. Vic's that kind of girl. Even though she's married and she's not very good looking, she still wants to fuck Walt. Even though early on in the series, Walt was fucking Lizzie Ambrose, played by Catherine uh, Lanasa, who is a smoking hot middle-aged woman, and Vic thinks she can compete with that. In fairness, Lizzie disappeared at some point in the show, and not much was ever said about her again. Maybe Catherine said to the producers, no one's going to believe that a woman like me would hook up with Walt Longmire. And she's right. I mean, Walt is a nice enough guy, if not overly compassionate towards animals. All creatures great and small, I get that. But the horse is in serious pain, man. Just put it out of its misery. Yes, I think all horses are the spawn of hell, and you kill every horse whether pain is involved or not. Also, don't release a bear that ate human back into the wild, you psychopath. Eventually, the real law comes for Walt, and he has to answer in some small part for his illegal actions as sheriff. But it's all sort of let go because Walt's such a darn nice guy who likes Rainier beer and carries a sweet 1911 and really fills out that hat. Seriously though, in the real world, i.e. not Wyoming, Walt Longmire would be in jail as opposed to all the people he arrests in the show. Walt has a daughter in the show. A lawyer. Her name is Katie and she's played by Cassidy Freeman, another unattractive woman in a leading role even though she's a, and even though she's a lawyer. She doesn't seem to care much about the law. She probably gets that from her father. Now, alongside all of this drama is an Indian reservation with its own laws and law enforcement. And it is chock full. Chock full of the most racist Native Americans I have ever seen. It's always the white man this and the white man that. I'm a drunk heroin junkie because of the white man. And it's all treated very casually in the show as if it's okay to walk around being that racist just because the person is Native American. Racism is racism, and I don't like it coming from anyone. Now, I can go on and on about this whole colonization issue, as if people like me, the evil white men, are inherently evil because we invented the wheel and written language. Can the Cheyenne say the same? Like I said, I don't want to get into that too much, maybe one day, but sure, Blame all your troubles on my skin color and the fact that uh, people like me were doing far more than poking around the dirt with, uh, with sticks by the 17th century. There's plenty of Native American characters, and I want to talk about a few of them. First of all, 
There's a lot of quote-unquote bad guys that are Cheyenne, like Jacob Nighthorse and Malachi Strand, who play, by the way, it's like all the names in this show are really great. Uh, Jacob Nighthorse and uh, Malachi Strand. Um, they're pretty much the bad guys. Malachi Strand is probably the worst of the bunch. Uh, he's like straight up uh, like miscreant. He's straight up miscreant. Uh, but Jacob Nighthorse is an excellent antagonist uh, because he's one of those bad guys that tries to pass him off, pass himself off as a good guy. It's excellent writing and performances in regards to the crew of Longmire in that regard. Uh, the chief of the reservation police is a guy named Matthias, and he's probably one my, like my second favorite character in the show because even though he's a little dirty and he carries water for the bad guys from time to time, he still has this noble air to him. He, uh, he truly cares for his community and the and his people and he wants to do what is best. And when the chips are down, that's the kind of guy who is on the side of right. He's a great character, officer Matthias. I really love that character, but he's not as great a character as Henry standing bear played by young gun Lou diamond Phillips. And I have never seen a man more in need of a mustache than Lou Diamond Phillips. But Standing Bear is Walt Longmire's best friend slash bartender, and Hank's character frequently jumps from one side of the law to another, giving you an idea of the complexity of his character. But the entire show sort of fits that theme. We all kind of flip from one side of the law to another from time to time, even the cops in this town. But of all these characters, my favorite character is Ferg, or Deputy Ferguson. He's an overweight cop who, despite this, does his job very well. He does all the legwork. He doesn't go all Barney Fife when the shit, hit, shit hits the fan. And his cute relationship with Meg at the hospital is the most sane and stable relationship in the entire series. Ferg is my favorite character, hands down. So I sat through the entire series so that you don't have to. Longmire on Netflix. Three of 13 stars. Someone arrest these cops, please. <clears throat> anyway, like I said, you know, I <clears throat> wrote a lot this week. <laughs> I had a lot to say this week. Well, when you sit through like, what was it, like six seasons of Longmire? I mean, granted, I'm writing and, you know, playing video games and editing video and stuff like that all, you know, while it's going on. Because I don't know how I could sit through that, like, like actively watching Longmire. Sounds like a nightmare to me. But most of, our, most of us are like that these days. It's like, we don't actively watch television anymore, do we? Uh, we'll have something on in the background. You may be playing a video game or um, texting somebody. And it's just, we, we absorb information way different. You know, we're, all these smartphones has made our, um, uh, what we can, you know, uh, take in. It's, it's it upped up the, the ante in terms of like the amount of information we could process. People are going listen to podcasts twice speed. And if you listen to this podcast at twice speed, I don't know how you follow it. I wonder what I sound like. I think I should probably, I'm, I think I'll go listen to my podcast at twice speed, see what I sound like. Because if you listen to Ben Shapiro at half speed, he sounds drunk. And I highly recommend is like, go watch Ben Shapiro at half speed. It's like, because I mean, he talks fast normally, but when you listen, you watch like a Ben Shapiro video at half speed, you can understand him and he sounds drunk. And so it, it's kind of like brings him down to our level. Anyway, spitting beer all over the microphone like it's a Queen concert. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and get into the news worth knowing. As you know, there's a ton of stuff going on in the news. I addressed some of it, uh, but I'm just going to stick to the news worth knowing. Or let's just, uh, news I want to talk about. Okay, so House barrels towards new Trump impeachment 
will vote on resolution calling for the use of the 25th Amendment today. With only eight days remaining in President Trump's term, the House of Representatives is barreling towards a second impeachment vote in the coming days as outrage about the president's role in the storming of the Capitol by his supporters last week and continues to reverberate throughout Washington, D.C. On Tuesday and Wednesday, the House will take two major steps towards impeaching Trump, which will make him the only president to be impeached twice. Tuesday evening, the House will vote uh, after 7.30 p.m. on a resolution from Representative Jamie Raskin from Maryland uh, calling on Vice President Mike Pence to use the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office. Excuse me. That amendment sets up a process by which the Vice President uh, and majority of the Cabinet may declare the Congress that the President is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. It's been a while since I did a show with beer. <laughs> Burping a lot. Anyway, the vote likely will not happen until late uh, tonight. Uh, if Pence does not oblige, which he is expected to, uh, the expected not to. Yeah. Uh, the Democrats have said that they will move forward with the second impeachment of the president, starting with debate on Wednesday morning. <laughs> They're going to be debating this until he leaves the office. Your tax dollars at work, ladies and gentlemen. The House will take up, this is a quote, the House will next take up the Raskin legislation in uh, regular order to call upon Vice President, the Vice President to activate the 25th Amendment and remove the president. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Democrat of California, said Monday after Republicans after Republicans objected to the passage of the Rankin Resolution via unanimous consent. Do you say via or via? Via. I like via. Quote, we are further calling on the Vice President to respond within 24 hours of passage. It's like, it's like a threat from a kidnapper. You have 24 hours to respond. <laughs> she added, as our next step, we will move forward with bringing impeachment legislation to the floor. The President's threat to America is urgent and is... <laughs> So too will I will be our action. Uh, here's the point: Can't you wait a week? A week. Anyway, uh, Representative da uh, David, oh, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, Chikilin or Sikilin from Rhode Island, Democrats and their stupid names. <laughs> Why can't it be cool like Matthias, uh <laughs> Jacob Nighthorse? Anyway, he said on Twitter Monday, this David Chickaline from Rhode Island, forgive me, Representative, uh, he said on Twitter Monday that Democrats now have the votes to impeach Trump for incitement of insurrection. So they, they got the new crew in, and they're like, let's, we, could, we could do it now, we could do it, let's do it, let's do it. And nobody's sitting there saying, he's gone in a few days. Cool your jets. Anyway. They just want to keep everybody angry so they can bring their totalitarian rule upon us. Anyway, uh, beyond most uh, Democrats backing uh, impeachment, as they did in the, when the House impeached Trump in 2019, uh, there appear to be several Republicans who may vote in favor of impeaching the president. That's obviously. Uh, among the most closely watched will be Representative Liz Cheney from Wyoming, who will be one of the members of GOP leadership who is most critical of the president, Representative Adam Kinzinger, the Republican from Illinois, a, mo a more vocal Trump critic, signaled on ABC's This Week that he would vote to impeach Trump, though he called such a vote not a smart move at the moment. <laughs> well, if I have to vote, it was like, fine. Kinzinger previously said that he would support moving Trump via the 25th Amendment. Now, the 25th Amendment means somebody who's unfit for office. That's like, have you ever seen that movie Dave with, uh, what's his name, Ke Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver? That's what the 25th Amendment is for. Is for a situation like that. If the president has a heart attack while banging a secretary and he becomes, goes comatose, 
That's what the 25th Amendment is for. It's not for, it's like, he said bad things on the internet. Anyway, Cheney, according to the Associated Press, told Republicans to vote your conscience on the upcoming Trump-related votes, votes this week. Uh, Punchbowl News reported Tuesday morning that a number of Republicans who may vote to impeach Trump could be in the double digits. Uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, a Republican from California, said in a letter to the GOP House members that he opposes impeaching the president. He, spe- he specifically said doing so would further divide the country in the wake of the attack of the Capitol last week and proposed other ways that the House could respond. I think uh, somebody, like, was it him that censure? That's probably a better idea. Anyway, uh, personally, I continue to believe, this is a quote, personally, I continue to believe that an impeachment at this time would have, uh, would have the opposite effect of bringing our country together when we need to get America back on a path towards unity and civility, McCarthy said. Notwithstanding the Speaker's push towards impeachment, I have heard from uh, members across our conference who have raised uh, at least four uh, potential avenues available to the House to ensure that the events of January 6th are rightfully denounced and prevented from occurring in the future. Most everyone's denounced them, right? I hope so. It's like nobody should think that that's the way things go. Even if it, Republicans or Democrats, if you're rioting, you, you, turn, you made a wrong turn. Anyway, these included a censure resolution. That's what that's what it is. These included a censure resolution against the president, a commission to investigate the attack, reform of the Electoral Count Act that lays out how Congress counts electoral votes and legislation on future. Like, okay. Other Republicans, some uh, most vocally, some of the younger members of the conference also said that they are opposed to impeachment. Uh, freshman, <clears throat> excuse me. Freshman Matt Rosendale, Republican from Montana, said Democrats are advancing false claims of a national crisis that requires President Trump's immediate removal from office. (laughs) You know, something that terse and truthful shouldn't be that funny. (laughs) It shouldn't be funny. It's funny because it's so rare (laughs) to see somebody matter of fact about things. He said the 25th Amendment resolution is a disgraceful episode of political theater. Theater! Acting! (laughs) And that's what all these people want to be. They want to be actors and shit like that, but, you know, they couldn't get a, you know, they couldn't get a walk-on role on Big Bang Theory, and so the next thing you know, they're running for office and on Twitch. All right? There are a bunch of idiots out there, and this is what they're doing with their time. The guy's on his way out. There's going to be a peaceful transition, and I'll tell you why I know there's going to be a peaceful transition, because there's a government... That it runs. It's like you can't storm the Capitol, take it, take control. Even if the people storm the Capitol building and storm the White House, you're not taking over the government that way. The government has contingency plans, contingency issues, you know, when something like that happens. All right? The government isn't in a house. All right? The government has, government can meet anywhere. They can meet anywhere. And they have plenty of alternative, alternative spaces to go. It's silly to think that this was a coup. People trying to take over the government by storming the building. The fucking Canadians couldn't do it in 1814. Our government's still here. Anyway, so they're trying to impeach the president. Anyway. Uh, balls. I Okay, no, I just opened a new, <laughs> a new window. All right. Okay, so uh, what is the bugaloo movement that the FBI is warning about? I know a lot of people are interested. Concerned about these issues, but I'm not. I think I was talking to EK earlier today that, uh, you know, um, the National Guard has flamethrowers and drones and missiles. You know, we all have the the Second Amendment, and that's great. 
But when it comes to fighting, <laughs> fighting the, the government or the military, it's like they have they they can own <laughs> flamethrowers, <laughs> sonic weapons. Anyway, let's this story here. What is this Boogaloo movement that everyone's talking about? So law enforcement agencies across the U.S. are bracing for the possibility that extremists who said they are calling for a coming of a second civil war will carry out violence on January 17th, according to an FBI memo cited in a recent report. It's from the FBI. Just grain of salt. They've been corrupt for a while. Anyway, Yahoo News exclusively reported that the FBI Minneapolis field office memo uh, sent to local state agencies by the end of December, cited uh, collaborative sources who told collaborative sources who told investigators that members of a Boogaloo movement uh, would be hosting potentially violent events on January 17th. Uh, quote: Some followers indicated uh, willingness to commit violence in support of their ideology, creating contingency uh, created contingency plans in the event of violence uh, occurred at the events, and identified law enforcement security measures as possible countermeasures. The December 29, 2020 memo states, members of the anti-government group, uh, excuse me, anti-government pro-gun boogaloo movement <sighs> advocates for a second civil war or collapse or the collapse of society. And they don't adhere to a coherent political philosophy. <laughs> That's a very cute way to put it. <laughs> they don't adhere to a coherent political philosophy. Yeah, anarchists usually are. Um, they often wear Hawaiian shirts and tactical gear and carry high-powered rifles. Uh, the Loose Movement uses a 1980s movie sequel. <clears throat> really? Anyone not know where that comes from? And 1980s movie sequel is a code word for a second civil war. Its name comes from the pan 1984 movie Break Into Electric Boogaloo, which has become slang for any bad sequel. <laughs> Wow, it's like you don't need you don't need to take it out on on breaking two. <laughs> okay. uh, another derivation of boogaloo is big luau, hence hence the Hawaiian clothing. Uh, far right gun activists and militia groups first embraced the term before white supremacist groups adopted it last year. Mm, I don't like that paragraph. You could have gone without with that last sentence there. Anyway, while some boogaloo followers maintain they aren't genuinely advocating for violence, law enforcement officials. Say they have foiled bombings and shooting plots by people who have connections to the movement or at least use its terminology, according to the Associated Press. On Monday, a federal law enforcement uh, source told Fox News an internal bureau memo was circulating that warned of armed protests that would be held in all 50 state capital cities in the days leading up to Inauguration Day on January 20th. All 50? All 50? It's like, oh, sorry. It's like even the U.S. military couldn't coordinate that well. 50 targets at the same time? No way. <laughs> no way. The FBI said in a, a sub, uh, subsequent statement that the agency is supporting our state, local, and federal law enforcement partners with maintaining public safety in the communities we serve. Reminder to all you people out there trying to think that this is a good idea. The government has flamethrowers. Quote, as we do our normal course of business, we are gathering information to identify any potential threats and are sharing that information with our partners, a spokesperson told Fox News. The FBI respects the rights of individuals to peacefully exercise their First Amendment rights. Our focus is not on peaceful protesters, but on those threatening their safety and the safety of the citizens with violence and destruction of property. Now, this is, uh, this is me talking. This, this has been true about all these kind of incidents that have from the Black Lives Matter stuff that's been going on to the Chaz and stuff like that. It's like, you may have like 100 people come out for something. And if 10 of them are violent, you know, that's a problem. 
You know, but that doesn't mean that the entire movement is violent or has violent intentions. And, and once, you know, when people get together in a close, close proximity, they grow dumber. They grow dumber. That's just what happens. That's why cities are so stupid. That's why cities turn to Democrat strongholds. Because when people get together, they get dumber. Anyway. Anyway, but last week, there were, you know, hundreds of people, some armed with guns, some people found explosives. All right, they pushed their ways into the hall of the U.S. Capitol, smashed and dismantled property, and went into the House and Senate uh, leaders' chambers. Uh, meanwhile, Hill staffers and lawmakers were under lockdown or hid behind chairs or under desks and tables. Uh, five people, including a U.S. Capitol Police officer, died during or in connection with Wednesday's events. That's the most important thing to remember about what happened last week. People died. This is not a joke. And if you're talking about a boogaloo, you're talking about more people dying. I don't even like the phrase boogaloo. If you're talking about a second civil war, that's in the streets. It's like a who song at that point. We'll be fighting in the streets with our children at our feet. Is that how it goes? At our feet. Out here in the fields. Yeah, Bob O'Reilly or something. I don't know. So I beg you people out there, do not do this. Do not. It's not time for a second civil war. I don't care how bad you think it is. You know, at the end of the day, you know, Biden is just some, you know, uh, you know, a, just an asshole in a nursing home, you know, who likes to sniff little girls and doesn't even really know what's going on. All right. You be worried, God forbid, when President-elect Biden dies and then Kamala Harris takes over because that's somebody who really has no clue what she's doing. And she, she can't blame Alzheimer's for it. Anyway, let's go on to this next story. We're trying to get into lighter sub- subjects as we start to end the show. Moving into the last quarter of Shock Monkey Radio. I need more beer. Mm. It's the delicious Pilsner. Okay, so uh, Midwestern Pet Foods expands recall after the deaths of over 70 dogs. This is coming from the FDA. Look, your government doing something good for you. <laughs> well, we got to protect our doggies. You understand that, right? Okay, so Midwestern Pet Foods expanded its recall of certain pet food products due to potential... Uh, Potentially fatal levels of aflatoxin after more than 70 dogs have died and 80 were sickened from consuming the product, the FDA announced in an updated notice on Monday. The company is now recalling all pet food products containing corn that were manufactured in the uh, company's Oklahoma uh, manufacturing plant and have an expiration date on or before July 9, 2022. This includes 19 products that may still be on store shelves online or in pet, store, pet owners' homes, according to the FBA. Check your dog food for your doggy's sake. Uh, aflatoxin is a mold byproduct that has the ability to grow on corn and other grains, which are commonly used as ingredients in pet food. At uh, very high levels, aflatoxins can, um, can cause illness and death in pets. I want to do something real quick. Is ergot an aflatoxin? Let's see. Cereal grains. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Wikipedia doesn't know. <laughs> they should know. Anyway, uh, Midwestern initially issued a recall issued a recall of nine different lots of sports mix dry cat and dog food. I don't care about the cat food. You can leave that out. Less cats, always a good thing. And dog food last month after Missouri Department of Agriculture discovered very high levels of the toxin in multiple samples of the company's Oklahoma plant. I'm kidding, you kitty cat lovers. Relax. 
Uh, the voluntary recall was initiated at the FD after the FDA received reports that at least 28 dogs died and eight were ill after consuming their recalled pet food. That's got to be the worst. Your dog dies during, during all this lockdown shit. That's sad. I read this story and it just made me sad. People's dogs are dying. Still, you know, people die all the time and I don't care. <laughs> Does that make me a cold-hearted person? I don't know. Still, the agency and Midwestern Pet Foods are urging pet owners to safely discard the products due to the toxin, uh, which can be present even if the mold isn't visible, according to the agency. You know, you, and you probably shouldn't throw them away in the trash because, like, uh, like raccoons and stuff will get into it. So, Burn it, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, pets that have been poisoned by the toxin may seem sluggish and have a loss of appetite. They also may experience vomit, vomiting, jaundice, yellow tint to the eyes or gums due to the liver damage. Or uh, diarrhea, the FDA said. And I know all you people love checking out your dog's poo. You love picking it up and putting it in bags and saving it and putting it in a corner in the house. That's what you do with it, right? Anyway, unlike people, pets are highly susceptible to aflatoxin uh, poisoning because they generally eat the same food, according to the FDA. Um, if a pet's food contains aflatoxin, the toxin could accumulate in the pet system as they continue to eat the same food. Midwestern is also urging customers to wash and sanitize any pet bowls and areas where the food was stored. Yeah, because the company the company is also encouraging retailers to contact customers who have purchased the affected products. They can do that these days, right? They track people, people what people buy, and they, they can check. They have a computer. It's like, and they could probably do that. They know all about us. Big Brother's watching. Uh, pet owners should also consult their, consult their veter, uh, veterinarians regarding any concerns, especially if their pet is showing systems. symptoms, the FDA said. Uh, to, to date, the FDA has said there's no evidence to show that handling the food poses any risk to pet owners, although they're encouraged to wash their hands after contact. That makes sense. Dog food, don't touch it. The investigation into the matter is ongoing. The FDA will continue to work with veterinarians and state partners to follow up on suspected cases of aflatoxin poisoning and plans to conduct follow-up activities at a manufacturing facility. So check your food for your pets. Save their lives. That's important. I don't know. I guess, I'm, I, guess I miss my dog. All right. <sighs> 12 minutes. All right. So uh, McDonald's customer in Australia smashes register over COVID policy. <laughs> okay. So a McDonald's customer in Australia pushed a cash register and printer off a counter after he reportedly to uh, told a, after he was reportedly told to complete a COVID check-in. Authorities arrested the man who is currently facing charges related to the incident. The incident occurred at McDonald's in New South Wales on Saturday, according to a post on the Hills Police Area Command Facebook page. The police also included screenshots from surveillance footage, which showed the angry suspect shoving a cash register off the restaurant's counter, sending it crashing to the floor. Even if they served you, don't you think they'd spit in your food? <coughs> Excuse me. The customer reportedly became angry. Uh, when he was asked to scan a, a QR code by one of the restaurant's employees, according to Yahoo News. He briefly argued with the worker before smashing the equipment. According to the New, uh, the New South Wales website, most businesses in the region are required to keep a record of who has visited their premises for contact tracing purposes. An app called, uh, called the Service NSW app is currently being used 
by businesses and customers to keep a record of people who have checked in by using QR code and can later be referenced in case of positive COVID-19 diagnosis. <clears throat> the man involved in Saturday's McDonald's incident was identified by, uh, as a 25-year-old by local police, Yahoo News reports. He's now facing charges relating to damaging and destroying property, using offensive language in a public place, and not complying with COVID-19 regulations. Quote, we continue to follow... Oh, they're Australian, so... We continue to follow the government advice and require all dining guests across the state to sign in via the service NSWQR code in accordance with our COVID-safe plan, a spokesperson for McDonald's said in a statement obtained by Yahoo News. <laughs> I'm sorry, Australians. I'm sorry. They're probably cringing. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. You know, you know, people all over the place are getting uh, are up to here with this COVID nonsense and stuff like that. And this, this contact tracing is just kind of a way just to track us, you know? And you, we may find it is like after everyone's got been vaccinated and stuff like that, and all this stuff is still going on. It's still going on in these networks. All these companies and apps are still tracking us. It's not like they weren't before, but still. <laughs> At least pretend like you're not big brother. That's not 1984 and not some weird dystopian movie. Mmm. Beer is good. All right. Got 10 minutes left. Ooh. And I like to end with positive stories. Ooh. Got a bubble sitting in my throat. Anyway, so I like to end with positive stories. Just to cheer me up. I mean, granted, I've been quite depressed over the last couple of weeks and I've been watching stand-up comedy, re-watching like a ton of Bill Burr <laughs> specials because that man cracks me up. Anyway, um, so let's go on with this last two stories. Uh, Florida kids help rescue a bald eagle found with a fishing hook piercing its beak. <clears throat> so a couple of concerned uh, kids in Florida are being credited with helping to save the life of an injured bald eagle they found wrapped in a fishing line with a fishing hook pierced through its beak, right through its nose hole. Doesn't look comfortable. Anyway, Pasco County uh, Fire Rescue in Lando Lakes shared the story to Facebook on Thursday after the two children brought the injured eagle to the station looking for help. Quote, after closer examination, firefighters realized that the eagle was underweight and a fishing hook was through its beak and the fishing line was wrapped under its wing, wrapped around its wing, explained Pasco County Fire and Rescue Post. Yeah, it was underweight. And if you look at the pictures of, uh, of this poor bird, this weird dinosaur looking thing, it, um, that fish hook is like impaled into his nose and the, the curl of the hook just wraps into his mouth. So it must have been a hell of a time trying to eat for this thing. So it was underweight and it was probably going to die with this thing continuing, continuing to stay there. Anyway, uh, uh, realizing that the animal could not fly or eat in its current condition, firefighter, if two kids caught it, a bald eagle, you know, it couldn't fly, <laughs> obviously. So uh, in its current condition, firefighters contacted Owl's Nest Sanctuary, a nearby wildlife re uh, rescue and re rehabilitation organization in Odessa for assistance. A volunteer, why do they use hyphens? A comma works just fine. You don't need hyphens. Anyway, a volunteer named Diane arrived soon after and determined that the severely dehydrated eagle was likely tangled in the fishing line for days. The animal was, uh, tra uh, was then transported back to the sanctuary and the fishing hook was removed. Once stable, the bald eagle was uh, transferred to the animal care center at Bush Gardens, Tampa Bay for further uh, treatment before being released back into the wild, according to the officials at Pasco County Fire. 
Quote, thankfully, the eagle appears to be in good health, and veterinarians believe that the eagle will fully recover, they wrote. After sharing this story to Facebook, users heap praised upon everyone who helped save the injured eagle. Way to go, kids! This is a quote. They should have been very proud of her helping this beautiful bird, wrote one of the Pasco County uh, Fire Fire's Facebook followers. Uh, quote, love owl's nest, and the kids that knew where to go for help, and our firefighters, said another. At least one commenter, however, urged uh, her fellow nature lovers to help prevent such potential fatal injuries. Kudos to those kids, she wrote. And as a reminder to all fishermen, women out there, put the trash in the can. Uh, whoever said that has never gone fishing. That's all there is to it. All right. If you have never like gotten snagged on something under the water and snap, I mean, this is how this stuff happens. It's like, sorry. If you say this is like, put put your un- your used fish hooks in the trash. It's like that's not how fish hooks don't they don't go bad. You lose them. All right. <laughs> that's that's why you need to buy more than one. It's like you don't just like oh. This one, this one's worn down. I can't use this anymore. That never happens. You lose it. You lose it. Anyone who says, like, put your trash in a can <laughs> about fish hooks has never gone fishing. Anyway, one more story. I'm trying to stay positive. I'm trying to. <laughs> but some people are ridiculous. So one more heartwarming story before we end the show. So a California girl raises $32,000 for a homeless man who found and returned her grandmother's wallet. Uh, Evelyn, when Evelyn Topper realized she'd lost her wallet, she was distraught. Topper, who was 80, had bought two drinks from a coffee shop in San Rafael, California, last month, but when she got home that day, her wallet was nowhere to be found. Quote, in this little wallet was everything. She told the local news outlet KNTV. Every credit, debit, and Medicare card Everything I own, I was distraught. <laughs> it, she, I don't know. I, if if you are, if you're able to like say to yourself, uh, <laughs> "Oh, I was distraught." I don't know how distraught you are at that moment, but I mean, you seem pretty calm, all things considered. But what Topper didn't know was that it had made its way to a nearby dumpster where Sean Curry found it. Curry, 57, has been homeless off and on for the last five years, according to KNTV. He told the Washington Post that he has, he has been living in his car for most of the pandemic because finding shelter has been more difficult this year than in the last several years. Yeah, I bet. Anyway, Curry was looking through a dumpster behind the coffee shop when he found Topper's wallet. He found her contact information inside and gave her a call. Quote, I would want someone to do the same thing if I lost my wallet, Curry told the Post. Though he did, just briefly, considering use of credit cards in the wallet, he decided against it. Why would you tell people that? That's, that's kind of a given, right? I guess I can use it. They're like, no, nah, there's cameras everywhere. You know, they want me to put in a pin code or something. <laughs> anyway, quote, uh, I would rather be cold and hungry and know I did the right thing, he told the Post. And the, homeless, the wisdom of a homeless man, ladies and gentlemen. I would rather be cold and hungry than know I did... And no, I did the right thing. That's, that's just like saying I would rather, yeah, that's the way I feel. I would rather be homeless than do something I do not agree with morally. And that's, that's why I ended up leaving the Navy. That's why I ended up getting out of defense contracting. Anyway, uh, when he called Topper to tell, tell her he had found the wallet, she told the newspaper that she screamed. I couldn't believe it. 
Uh, they soon met up where Curry gave Topper the wallet and she gave him some money to thank him, the Post reported. On her way home, Topper called her daughter and granddaughter to tell them what had happened. That's when Topper's granddaughter, Michaela Gonard, Gunard, forgive me, decided she wanted to repay Curry's kindness. Even before Topper lost her wallet, Gonard had been planning to ask her friends and family to donate to a charity for her upcoming 12th birthday instead of giving her presents, according to KNTV. Look at this. One good turn deserves another, or leads to another. Deserves another? Or is that usually said sarcastically? Because that's sad. Uh, once she heard about how Curry returned her grandmother's wallet and that, uh, and that he was in uh, need of shelter, Gunard, Gonard, forgive me, decided to use her birthday donations to support him. I wanted to give somebody, I wanted to give to somebody who really needed something, she told KNTV. So during her drive-by birthday party on December 22nd, she and her mom raised $475 for Curry and gave him the money the next day. I was just so touched, Curry told the Post. It was refreshing, knowing that people her age want to help. On Tuesday, uh, Gonard's, Gonard's, sorry, mom, Vanessa, decided that she, to set up a crowdfunding account to continue to support Curry during the pandemic, specifically to help him get housing for the short term and eventually to work with Curry to develop a row of tiny houses for other people who struggle with hom- homelessness in the area. What began with a lost wallet progressed into Michaela's drive-by birthday fundraiser and now seeded a friendship with the entire family, the crowdfunding page says. This isn't about charity, the page adds. It's about compassion, the highest form of love. As of Friday night, they have raised $32,935. So hopefully that guy can get his life on track due, due to one single act of kindness. One single act of be, doing the right thing. And, you know, that's what's beautiful about this country. And it's a shame that the, a story like this is not even the first news story I talk about. All right? I like to save it for the end because I like to, you know, feel happy at the end. I like to leave with a good, good feeling. But I think the problem with news is that news is kind of geared towards outrage, clickbait, and stuff like that. And positive stories just like this just do not get the proper headline press that they should. Because this gives me faith in America. This gives me faith in Californians. This gives me faith in the homeless people. This gives me faith in people who help each other. And this is how our society works. There's not one single word about anyone's politics in any of this. Because politics has nothing to do with any of this. It's about helping your fellow man and woman. Helping your fellow human being. Because you can. And you're capable. We are capable of doing these things. Anyway, I'm in a bad mood, obviously. But it's things like this that make me feel better about the entire world. I want to remind you again to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. Help us out. It's very important now. And uh, if you want, you can send me... uh, Money through Cash App, use hashtag ShockMonkeyRadio, and I would appreciate it. Uh, if you want to send me an email, you can send me an email because I'm lonely at madman at fxbgpr.com. I also have books available, available for download on uh, Amazon. Search for Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. I got the Exit 13, three, three books of the Exit 13 series, and I got uh, the Ravings of a Madman and the Bunny Years 
a memoir. So thank you for listening, watching Shock Monkey Radio. Um, be sure to tune in next week. I'm sure, I don't know, I'm sure I'll have something interesting to say then. So yeah, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman, and I love you.